am so stoked to, to get into part three of Money Talks. Who's been here for both weeks of Money Talks so far? Raise your hand, make some noise. You've been here for both weeks, okay. Uh, it's been pretty fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we've seen about 10 people give their lives to Jesus over the last two weeks uh, during a series on money. I mean, I'm, just, I'm telling you, it really blows my mind every single time uh, that that's even happening. But I just believe that uh, that when you give your finances to God and, and when, you, when we talk about something as practical as finances, uh, really, it, it's so interesting to see how God can move through something so simple as just talking about money, right? Well, you think that money is, is this really you know, lofty topic and that you really shouldn't talk about in church and you shouldn't be discussing in church and yet here we are talking about money and people are giving their lives to Jesus left and right. Let me tell you, God can use anything, all right, to get people to himself, amen? So I'm really excited uh, to get into week three. And today we're talking about, it's very simple, we're talking about thankfulness. What does it mean to be thankful with our finances. We've kind of touched on this before. And of course, we're doing this because why? Because Thanksgiving is right around the corner. This is almost, in a sense, the, the obligatory uh, thankfulness message, if you will. But I really believe that God has something to speak to you today. So uh, I think we all have great Thanksgiving memories, right? Thanksgiving, it's just an amazing time. Some of my best memories, anyway, in my life have come from Thanksgiving with my family growing up. A lot of times we would go every year to uh, my nanny's house, okay? And you all know what I'm talking about. You go to the grandparents, you get some good food. There's nothing better than gathering around, for me anyway, and there was nothing better than eating some country, home-cooked, made-with-love food from my nanny. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You got that kind of food coming up in a couple of days. Yes, I'm going to be preaching about food all day today, so you guys are going to have to wait for lunch I'm going to preach for about three hours. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I won't do that to you today. Uh, but I love eating that food. A nanny was the absolute best. She's passed on now, but man, she made some good country Thanksgiving food. It was the best. And we would gather around and we're in the DFW area. And uh, so we would, we would watch Dallas Cowboys. It was a, a family tradition, okay? And I see some thumbs down, but I need to see some thumbs up because we're going to win this year. Come on, I'm telling you, it's happening, all right? Uh, but we all have traditions that we celebrate around the Thanksgiving time. And, and, but I think that we can all agree uh, <clears throat> the best part of Thanksgiving, of course, is the food, right? I mean, come on. It is the best part of Thanksgiving. I love my family. Don't get me wrong. I love my family, but the food though. I mean, fam faith, family, football, and food. Uh, this is how I live my life, okay? These are the four F's that I live my life by, uh, but on Thanksgiving, the, the best of those is the food for sure. And so what we want to do today is we want to do a thing, a little segment that I like to call Thanksgiving Throwdown. Thanksgiving Throwdown. Let's do this, y'all. Okay, there's some great food out there, but there can only be one victor, all right? Uh, so what we're going to do is I want to see all of my turkey people. Where are you at? Make some noise, turkey people. It's turkey versus ham. Where's my turkey people? All right, now if you're a ham person, I need to hear you right now. Make some noise. I'm right there with you, okay? I, I am personally a ham guy. You give me a good uh, honey ham glaze, you know what I'm saying? Get that thing real nice. Mm, mm, mm. I know, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm doing this to you guys today. You're just gonna have to deal with it. I'm gonna talk about food. All right, uh, uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know which one really wins there. 
Uh, it's, it's great. They're both great, right? You, you get the turkey. Sometimes it gets dry. You know what I'm saying? You got to really know what you're doing with the turkey. You really got to know what you're doing. Okay. Uh, the next one that we're going to go is stuffing versus green bean casserole. Come on. Well, I, need to, I need to hear my stuffing people. Where are you at? All right. Is there any green bean casserole people? Hey. Whoa. That's actually a good amount. Okay. We posted this one. This was this was controversial, okay? We posted this on our Instagram and Facebook. If you don't already follow us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Come on, people, Radical Church. Um, but this was a very controversial one, okay? I am not a huge stuffing guy. I'm not a huge stuffing guy. You know, I'm just not. I don't know why. It's just not always been my favorite. You know, I think it's the other thing on my plate that sometimes gets a little dry. You know what I mean? It can really dry if you don't know what you're doing anyway, okay? Uh, but... Green bean casserole always hits the spot for me. I love me some green beans, okay? Uh, and this is the one, this is the one, this is a hard choice for me. Mac and cheese versus mashed potatoes. How can you pit them against each other in my opinion? I, I, there's some great mac and cheese, some great mashed potatoes, but I gotta ask, where are my mac and cheese people at in the house today? Where are you at? Okay, okay. What about mashed potatoes? Yeah, I think you have to go with mashed potatoes. You have to. I mean, mac and cheese is, is wonderful. It's great. And let me tell you, ain't nobody better touch my mama's mac and cheese, okay? She makes some phenomenal mac and cheese. And if it wasn't for that, I would say mashed potatoes. But for me and my household, we will serve mac and cheese. Come on now. We will serve. You see how I did that? Okay, Bible jokes. All right, there we go. Uh, number four, sweet potatoes versus cranberry sauce. Sweet potatoes versus cranberry sauce. Where are we at here? Where's my sweet potato people? Okay, all right. What about my cranberry sauce people? They're few, but they're proud. <laughs> they're few, but they're proud. Okay. I've never understood the deal with cranberry sauce. Like somebody, if you're a cranberry person, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay. Wait, what's the deal with the cranberries people? Like it's, it's good. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, it can't be from a can. You got to, like, make it. You make it with love and affection and the power of God. You know what I mean? Okay. All right, all right, all right. Hey, I don't know about all that cranberry stuff. Okay, so. But here's the hardest one, in my opinion. The hardest one is pecan pie versus pumpkin pie. <laughs> pecan pie versus pumpkin pie, people. Okay, here we go. I need to see, first off, I want to see my pumpkin pie, people. Where are you at? Wow. Very, very excited about the pumpkin pie. And now I need to see where are my pecan pie people at? Yes! That is a win for the pecan, I would have to say. Listen, pecan pie is the absolute best, all right? I love that stuff. But it's hard. I love, I love all of these things, really, except for the cranberry sauce. I can't get on board with that one. I love every single one of these things. But there's a lot of great Thanksgiving foods, and I'm sorry to make you all salivate, and you're already ready for lunch and all that stuff. Okay, it is what it is, but... Uh, we love Thanksgiving here in America, don't we? I mean, it's just a great time to get together with family and friends and uh, have a Friendsgiving, have your, or your Thanksgiving with your family, eat great food, you know, watch TV. Maybe you watch the parade. Maybe you watch football. Whatever it is that you do, there's a lot of great memories, right, associated with Thanksgiving, with your family and people that matter to you the most, all your grandparents and your crazy aunts and uncles and cousins. And if you don't have one, it's probably because you are one, exactly. And it's just an absolute feast and it's a great time. So what better way to celebrate Thanksgiving in the season of thankfulness than to tell 
a food story from the Bible. Come on now, let's tell a food story. Uh, We're going to be in John 6 today. John 6, 1 through 13 is where we are reading today, and it is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay, Jesus feeding the 5,000. I'm going to go ahead and start. You can find it up on the screen, or you can get it in your Bible app or your Bible, whatever you got today. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he'd performed by healing the sick. And Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. A Jewish Passover feast was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked us only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, that doesn't seem very nice of him to do, right? <laughs> He's just asking him, just like, what do you think we should do here? Huh? What do you think we should do? He already knew what was going on. Listen, Jesus right here is like your wife asking, what are we eating for lunch today? You know what I'm talking about? Think about that for a second. Jesus is like your wife asking, what are we eating for lunch today? Because God, you could suggest every restaurant within a 15-mile radius of your current location. But your wife already knows what she wants to eat. You know what I'm talking about? She's already got something in her mind. She already knows what the plan is. It's just a test. And you'll go through this and you'll say, well, what about this? No, it doesn't sound good. What about this? No, it doesn't sound good. What about this? No, I don't really like that. But when you finally get to the one, when you finally get to the one that she had already had in her mind at the beginning, right? You guys, you know what I'm talking about, okay? When you already get there, she says, yeah, I think that could work, right? Yeah. I think that sounds okay. Listen, here's what Jesus, Jesus already knows what the plan is, just like your wife does. Come on, man, listen up. Your women know what's going on. They have a plan. You got to stick to it. They already know what's going on, okay? This is how Jesus works here in this scenario. He's testing them. He's just saying, hey, do you know what the plan is? Because I already got one, okay? So Philip answered him. We're going to move on. Verse 7, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? What are the disciples doing here? They're going full husband mode on this right now. They're going full husband mode. We're going to try to figure this out. We're going to try to fix this. Well, what about this? Or or what about this? Well, what about this? Jesus, I don't know what you're trying to do here, but it doesn't seem like that we can make this work. And they have three different things that they suggest. And actually, one of them you don't see here in this passage. It's found in another retelling of this same passage in Mark. But the first thing that they say is, well, we just got to send them home. Like, just send them away because there's no way that we're going to be able to feed all these people. So you just need to tell them to go and get something to eat. You know, we'll catch up with them later. You can teach them some more and heal some more people and all that stuff, Jesus. And, And then the second one, which we see here actually, is Philip being a little sarcastic. He's saying, it would take so much work and so much money to feed people even just one bite. He's being a little sarcastic here. And so he's saying, well, let's just throw some money at the problem, okay? Let's get some money at this thing, you know, really pull together our resources. Maybe we can get a bite of bread for everybody, like a little cracker like we got for communion today, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then the last one we see here is Andrew, who actually I kind of like Andrew in this scenario, in this story here. He, at least he's trying to solve the problem. He tries to work to solve the problem. So he goes out and is trying to fix it. uh, And he finds a boy and he says, hey, he's got a little bit of food here. And isn't this just so typical of us men in this situation, right? We're just trying to fix it. Just trying to make it work. Just trying to throw some money at it or ignore the problem. Say, send everybody home, get out of here or throw money at it and maybe try to work and do something to make it happen. And 
And this is so typical, I think, of men and even the disciples. I think it's so funny that they kind of fit that stereotype right here. But what are the disciples missing? What is the problem here? Is that they're trying to solve the problem by their own natural means. They're trying to solve the problem in ways that make sense to them and their natural minds, but that's not exactly what Jesus had in mind. They weren't looking to Jesus to make the miracle happen. They weren't looking to Jesus. They didn't even know that it was possible because they were so stuck looking at themselves and they were so stuck looking at the actual problem, looking at the issue that is around them. And let me tell you, some of you today and your finances might be looking at this the same way. You might be saying, Pastor Trevor, we got a problem, Okay. Finances are not looking good right now because we got five loaves and two fishes kind of income and we got 5,000 bills over here that need to be paid, all right? And it's just the math is not adding up. How are we going to figure this out? Honey, do we need to sell a car? Do we need to sell the house? Do we need to downsize? Do we need to get a new job or change careers? Or maybe we need a financial planner. Maybe that's somebody that can actually help us in, in this season and help us to figure out what to do with our finances and our money. And let me tell you, there's not necessarily anything wrong with coming up with some of these plans, but let me tell you that no financial planner can bring supernatural provision, amen? No financial plan or planner that you hire is gonna bring supernatural provision like Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, amen? There is a God out there that has provision for you, specifically for you. The Bible says that if we pray, he will give us our what? Our daily bread. He will provide for us. The Bible says that he provides uh, food for the birds to eat, and yet you think he's not gonna provide for you? Come on, if we would just give our finances over to God and trust him with it. Can we trust that he's going to take care of us? Can we trust that he's going to take care of us? Somebody say yes in the place. Come on now. Jehovah Jireh, he's going to provide for us. In Philippians 4.19, it says, and my God will supply. Somebody say supply. All of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Listen, there is nothing wrong with having a plan. There's nothing wrong with making a plan in your finances. There's nothing wrong with going through a program like financial peace, like we're about to offer. We've already offered it one time, but I wanna make sure that everybody knows about it. If you are struggling in your finances or if you just need a tune-up, you wanna kind of get some of these principles really ingrained into you that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, I would highly, highly encourage you to go through Financial Peace University. It is a great Christian-based program that we're offering and it's only about $60, but we believe in this so much and we wanna resource you and help you in your finances so much that we will actually reimburse you once you finish the class. We will completely reimburse you because we believe so much in the principles that that class teaches and we want every single person in this place to be financially free. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be awesome? Come on now, we could just be ridiculously generous because we will all be financially free. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You can go through all these plans. You can go through financial peace. You can hire a financial planner. You can come up with a great thing with you and your spouse. But if you don't submit it to God first, you can expect to work a lot harder for a lot less return. You're going to work a lot harder. You see it even here in the story. They could have worked for six months to try to buy food for these people. They could have worked real hard and, and tried to come up with this plan, but instead, what did they need to do? They just needed to turn and to look to Jesus, and that would have solved all of their problems. That's what ends up happening. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. 
They say men because they didn't count the women and children usually, so there could have been well over 10, 15,000 people there. We don't know well over that amount, though. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who receded as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. That is an incredible miracle. And Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish and feeds every single person that's there. Now, it doesn't actually say that it was multiplied. Like that, that word is not found necessarily in there, but it's inferred that this is the creative miracle that happens in this place. And it is an amazing one. It's an amazing miracle. And when we see Jesus healing people, and I think sometimes that we believe in our minds, there's some things that are a little bit easier for us to believe, right? Like I can believe that, that you know, lay hands on somebody and that they'll be healed, uh, you know, of a broken ankle or something like that. But, but then you lay hands on somebody with cancer and it's a little bit harder to believe, right? You lay hands on somebody uh, that's got something really difficult going on and it's a lot harder to believe. And, and then if you were to go over to some food and you needed a lot more food for some, for some kids or whatever it might be that are hungry and in need, and if you were to lift up some crackers to the Lord, you know what I'm saying? It'd be a lot harder for you to believe that those crackers were just going to be in abundance, right? And you're going to have 12 baskets full left over afterwards. But it's an amazing miracle. It doesn't happen though if it isn't for one person. And there's one person that's actually quite overlooked in this story a lot of times, and I want to talk about him, and it's the boy. The boy. The boy offers every bit of food that he has over to Jesus. And it isn't a lot. I mean, it's, it's a few loaves and some fish. I mean, you got to think, what are the disciples thinking here in this scenario? What are the people around saying the boy maybe comes up and maybe he was excited when he came up and said, you know, in the kind of the naivety of, of being a little boy, and he runs up and says, oh, I have food, I can help, you know? And they're like, listen, kid, okay, like, you see all these people here, like you just got a few loaves and a few fish. It's not really, really going to help, okay? You know what I'm saying? This is just a little bit and we need a lot. Like, you understand how that works, kid? You got to think, what are the things that they're naturally thinking, right? Put yourself in this situation. What would you have thought, right? We would have tried to fix it on our own, but the Bible says that we're not to have faith like adults. We're to have childlike faith. And the boy brings every single thing that he has up to the disciples and up to Jesus. It might have been laughable to some, five loaves and two fish. What are we supposed to do with that? And some of you maybe have felt that way with your finances and with God before, have you ever felt bad that you can't really give in this moment? And I know that there's been times in, in my life where I haven't really had a lot and I've honestly felt condemned and I've felt shame and I've wanted to be able to be generous in my life, but I haven't been able to. And it's been really difficult because I, I just felt like, man, I'm barely making ends meet right now. I'm barely paying the bills. But I know the Bible says that we're to give to our local church, we're to give to God and to be generous to others as they need and and I want to be able to be an extravagant giver, but yet it's just so hard for me right now to do that. And some of you might feel trapped in debt and bills and this shame and self-condemnation maybe has come up. Or, or in, instead of in your worry doing that, maybe you have just given nothing instead. Because you just feel so bad and you're just like, well, I can't, I don't want to just give my, my two cents. Like, what is this going to do, right? I mean, I have $5 to give today or I have $10 to give. That's not really going to make a difference. And so actually in that shame and worry and you just end up giving nothing. What could God do with my two cents anyway? 
Well, let me tell you and let me encourage you in the house of God today that whatever you give in faith, God can multiply. Amen? Whatever you give in faith and whatever you give with a cheerful heart toward God, he can multiply for his purposes and for his glory. Why? Because a little in your hands is what? Just a little. But a little in God's hands is more than enough every single time. So just put it in God's hands. A word spoken from your mouth is just a word. But a word spoken by the mouth of God actually produced light in the universe as we know it. Some dirt and some spit in your hand is what? Just gross, right? It's just some nasty mud. But some dirt and some spit in the hands of Jesus actually healed a blind man saying, get up to your kids. Well, not budge them out of their beds in the morning for school. You know that. Come on now. But Jesus saying, get up to a lame man will have that man leaping for joy. Can somebody give God praise in the house of God today? Excuse me. I'm just one person. How can I make a difference? Well, the boy probably felt that way too, maybe. You got to think, how was he feeling? Maybe somebody might have laughed at him and said, well, this isn't really going to make a difference. And he probably maybe felt some of that shame. And he's like, well, I could give whatever I have. You got to go through these different scenarios. But he might have felt that same way. How can I make a difference? And yet he's the one that provided the means for the miracle to happen. Listen, I might not have much and you might not have much. And this little church of ours here in Kyle, Texas, started 14, 15 months ago now. We might not have much, but when we give what little we do have to God, you can be assured that he will multiply our efforts, multiply our resources, and multiply our impact on our community, on our families, and in the world. you believe that today? God can multiply. He is a multiplying God. He is an exponential God. God doesn't just work in addition and in subtraction, okay? He works in multiplication. He works in exponentials, okay? So what I want to do today is I want to share a story of one of our miracle offering partners that is a master at taking a little and turning it into a lot. So turn your attention to the screen and watch this video. Sami Tegustapunu, and Mororot Hayatekano, and Natalie, Habatin Alakonkin, Yamarot Murtebet. ቆጣሪ <laughs> Tasolakata Vateran, 
አሁን ሰው መታየት ቀልድ ይመስላል አላ ይሄውት ነው የልጆች የቀንስተኝ በየስንት ነገር ያለቁት በቀበት ከዛን ይዛን ግዜ አንድ አንድ እንጀራ ያለለ ግዜ ይዛና ነው ከዛን እንደዚህ በቃ ወይም ታጓደኞቼ ጋር እንደዚህ ዲታ ይዘው የመጡሳ ታነሱ ጋር ይቀመሳል ወይም ካነሱ ቢሱ ካልመጣ ውሃ ባውዋን ነውላል ናቲ እንደዚህ በያማትሎሮ እንደዚህ ነገራት ሆነ እዚህ እዚህ ነበር ንበቃ ወሰና ታስመዘገብ እዚህ ገነት እዚህ ልዩ ከዛን ያልጣልጣቀምን ደሞ ይጨመርልናል በስተበኩሉ በስተበኩሉ ለክበርቺ ተጠቀቁ ባለህ ይጄ ጨውታለሁ ዘን ተጫውቼ በኋላ ይጃጠናለሁ ከዛን ልክ እንደተደወለ ደሞ ወረክስን ገብቼ አጠናለሁ ከዛን ጻፉ ተተባለ ደሞ ጽፋለሁ በስተበኩሉ ትምርት በጣም ተቆቃለች ይሄ ሳይፈጠር መሰል በቀምኙ ታሳ እንደዛ በቃ እና ፈረንጆቹና ይቻለው ነው እንደዚህ ነው ትምርት እንደረጃ ግዴለህ እንደማን ጠሙ ማድረም ምንም ብለን እንደዛ ምትማኘው በጣም ምኞታ በጣም አዎ እኔም በችግርነትና በአለመውቀቴ የተማረሰው ወርቃ ወርቃ ተማሪያት ይዝጋይብራ ከልሻል ይያርቃል ሰነያለኝ ደስታ ነው ገደለኝ እኔ ለዚህ ደረጃ ተሳለውን አልኩም ነበርኩም በየሜዳ ላይ ልጆቹም ለማነጽ በየሜዳ ለዚህ ደርሳለውን አልኩም በጣም በጣም ማነሰገና ድርጅቱን ባጣ ነይ በጻነቴ መስያን ከብኩልኝ በጻነቴ መስያን ከብኩልኝ እኔ እነሱ ደሞ ተጠቅት እኔ ተለቀ ራስህ ይያለው ከዛን ያን ደረጃ በስ ተከኩሉ ካብጣው ያከዛችሁ ይችላል ከዛ ይሄ ደግሞ እነሱ ከዛ ነራሴ ይችላል ከዛ ነነሱ Feed One uh, is a program through Convoy of Hope and is one of the many partners that we will be partnering with for our miracle offering. One of many. Just that one organization isn't that incredible uh what they do and they actually have a program where you can give $10 a month and it feeds a kid for an entire month. They take a little and they found a way to turn it into 
a lot. They take a little bit of an investment and they turn into something amazing. And today, maybe you've come into this place feeling like you have a little. But when you see a story like Tiggis, right? It reminds you to be thankful for what you do have, right? Thank God. Thank you for the food that I eat every single day. Thank you for my family, for my friends, my school, my job, my house, my car. That I get to live in a free land that I can worship you freely. And thank you that I know how much you love me. Ultimately, that's the best thing that we have to be thankful for is that God first loved us. David was amazing at giving thanks to God. All throughout the Psalms, you see things where he says, give thanks or give thanks. I give thanks to you, Lord. Psalm 106.1, many of us know this one, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. We've talked about this before, but when you realize that everything that you have comes from God, it changes the way that you think about what you have. When you realize everything I have is, is a blessing and is a gift straight from heaven, it changes how you give to God, changes how you give to others. And I wanna to submit to you today that generosity flows from a thankful heart. Generosity flows from a thankful heart, from somebody that understands what they've been given. How much that we really have, that's when generosity really starts to flow. And another way to put that is thankfulness produces generosity. I wanna look at verse 11 again. It says, Jesus took the loaves and he did what? Gave thanks. He took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who received it. He gave thanks for what they had. Five loaves, two fish. But he didn't see it as limited because he had a different perspective. He didn't see it as not enough because he knew it was in the right hands. He knew that if he would give thanks to God for the little bit that they had been given, that, that the Father would multiply and they would be able to be generous and give to all of the people that were there. And there's a formula that Jesus kind of follows here that I want us to learn and I want us to follow in our own lives is giving thanks for what we've been given, recognizing that when we give thanks, we're gracious and we're, we, we are grateful for what we've been given, God will then multiply, just like we talked about last week. God can multiply what you've been given. And then we give back the increase and praise God for it. So we give thanks. God can then multiply and bless that attitude and bless that, that thankfulness in your heart. And then he can trust you with more because he knows that you're gonna give back and you're gonna be generous when you get more. In 2017, there were some PhD psychologists and professors, Joel Wong and Joshua Brown, and they did a study on gratitude. And Wong and Brown undertook a study, nearly 300 people that were seeking mental health counseling. The majority struggled with issues related to depression and anxiety. So they established three control groups. While all groups received counseling, one group was asked to write a letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks. A second group was asked to journal their deepest thoughts about their negative experiences. And the third group did not do any additional activity. 
So what were the results? Those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better mental health four weeks and 12 weeks after completing the exercise. And Wong and Brown listed four insights from their gratitude study, and here they are. Gratitude unshackles us from toxic emotions. Gratitude helps even if you don't share it. The benefits of gratitude occur over time. It's like making deposits in a mental health bank. And then number four, gratitude leaves lasting effects on the brain. And they found that when people feel gratitude, they have a distinct brain activity from people who don't. There's actually something different that happens in your brain when you choose to be thankful. When you choose to, be, to have an attitude of thankfulness in your life. And to be honest, this is why I want to be thankful for everything that I've been given and understand that everything I have comes from God and, and be thankful for whatever I do have and understand that it can all be taken away in one moment, right? I just want to be cognizant of that every day of my life. And I, I want it to lead to a generous lifestyle to where I can give and, and give away and, and have these same mental health effects on me. Because listen, when you give and when you're generous, and when you have a, a thankful heart, it not only blesses God, but it also blesses others. It also blesses you. It helps your own mental health. It helps you to feel better about life and to feel better about your circumstances when you just decide that you're going to be grateful. Hey, this is what I have. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've given me. And maybe it's not as much as them, but it's more than this person. And listen, you know what? Even if I had that, I'm going to be thankful for what I've been given. And I'm going to understand that everything I have comes from you. And we can always be grateful. And my thankfulness for God compels me towards generosity. And it says in Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I think that has the same mental health effects. When we give, it's more blessed. Why? Uh, this is actually a, a, a mental health statement here. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? When all you do is take and take and take and take and take from other people, you actually end up feeling worse. But when you start to give and give and give and give, you end up feeling better. It's the opposite of our human nature, but many times the opposite of our human nature is how the nature of heaven works, right? And so next week, we're gonna do something that's gonna be a lot of fun. There's a lot of people that work during this holiday season a lot, okay? Specifically, they are service workers, okay? So anybody that works in retail, anybody that works at a restaurant, anybody that works as a server or a host or somebody that might work as a stalker at a grocery store or at a Walmart or HEB or whatever it might be, these people work nonstop and they're gonna be working hard. They barely even really get to celebrate Thanksgiving, right? Because they immediately go in for Black Friday and then you have Cyber Monday and they're working all weekend. And then not only that, then they're usually helping serving people as they're buying gifts for their families and, and they're getting food out a lot and, and different kinds of things. And they're serving and serving and serving. And November and December are very difficult for people that work in those industries, right? And they're giving. They're just constantly giving, giving, giving away. And so we thought it would be great. You know, what, what could we do to help these people that are just constantly giving and constantly being generous with their time and just working for us and serving us as we're having a great time with our family and friends. We thought, you know what? We want to bless them 
we want to honor them and we want to say thank you for serving us and for helping us during this season to get gifts for our kids and gifts for our families and, and to work hard for us and they're not even really getting to enjoy it. So what I want us to do next week is we're going to honor all service workers and I want you to invite any person that you know that works at a restaurant, works at a retail place, whatever it might be. If you know anybody that remotely fits that category, I want you to invite them next week and we're gonna honor and bless them. Okay, can we do that? We're gonna be grateful and we're gonna have a thankful heart for the people that are serving us as we're going through this season of Thanksgiving. And as you go through and celebrate Thanksgiving this week with your family and your friends and you might be picking up food, cooking the turkey, burning the turkey, you know what I'm saying? Going out to eat, right? <laughs> eat great food with your family, okay? You might be gathering around the table in prayer and saying what you're thankful for. And maybe you don't say it out loud, but would you say a prayer for Tiggist? Would you say a prayer for the kids all around the world that maybe don't have a hot meal? Maybe don't have a Thanksgiving meal to celebrate with their family and their friends? Maybe some kids even in our own neighborhood, right? Would you volunteer somewhere and get involved in a place that can help others and, and not just take for ourselves, but man, we wanna give back to the community, give back to those who don't have and give back to those that work so hard for us over this time. And just thank God for the hot meal that's on your table. Honestly, really be thankful for that. And so some of you today maybe don't realize how much you've been given. And I wanna invite you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit to be thankful. So I want everybody to stand in this place, if you don't mind. You might be realizing, man, I have not been grateful for what I have. Okay, that's you. We talked about it last week a little bit, and this week I really wanted to hit this point home. I, I just need to be grateful for what I have been given. It might not be a lot, but I've really struggled with this. Maybe you've been in a state of kind of complaining and arguing and fighting about finances and all this stuff. And listen, I understand it's tough. These are hard conversations. But you need to put your finances in God's hands today. And some of you have been on this journey with us the last couple of weeks, but I just want to invite somebody here today that recognizes, hey, I need to be thankful for what I've been given. Would you bow your heads with me today? And if that's you, I'd just like you to raise your hand on the count of three and say, hey, that's me, pastor. I just want to see you. One, two, three. Would you just raise your hand? I see you, I see you, I see you. Hands going up everywhere. Okay, I see you. I see you. You can put your hands down. All right. We're gonna pray right now for thankfulness and that God would do a supernatural work in your heart. Lord Jesus, we come before you now and we ask that you would help us to be thankful and to be grateful for everything that we've been given. We know that even if it seems like we have little, really we have much. Why? Because we have your son, Jesus, that died on the cross for us. And if that's all we had, then that'd be enough. But most of us in here have a lot more than that. We have provisions, we have food, we have a place to live, we have a car, we have these things, and maybe you have a job and maybe we've complained about these things before and we're always wanting more we always feel like it's not enough but God help us to be content even that song is I will be content in every circumstance 
Jaira, you are enough. God is enough for us. So Lord, help us to be content in this place for every single person. Help us to realize how much we've been given. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So as a way to say thank you to God for all that he's done, I wanna take communion with you today. But before we do that, and you can go ahead and, and, and pick these up and get ready for it in a second, but I think there's some of you in here that maybe need to give your life to God. You might not have put your life into God's hands before. You might put your finances, okay, and, and you might put it in a financial planner's hands. And you might be learning, okay, maybe I need to really think about my finances differently. You know, Pastor Trevor keeps talking about this stuff, right? Maybe you haven't given your life over to Jesus and put your life in his hands, right? Because we know that a little in your hands is what? Just a little, but a little in God's hands is more than enough. And you know what the Bible says? You might feel like you're not really that much, but the Bible says that, that we're clay and he's the potter. Clay by itself isn't really anything that special. It doesn't have any real intrinsic value by itself, just in a little glob there on the turntable. It's not really anything, there's nothing important. It can't really do anything for you. It's just a glob of clay. But you put your life into the potter's hands. You put that clay into the potter's hands and what does the potter do with it? They turn that clay into something absolutely beautiful, absolutely amazing. And today, maybe you feel like you're just a little. I'm just a glob of clay. I'm not anything special. Well, you know what? God thinks that you're special because he sees who you are beyond where you're at right now. And you need to give your life to him today. So one more time, if you'd bow your heads with me, I just wanna invite anybody in this place that needs to give your life to Jesus, whether you're rededicating your life to him, you've known him in the past, but you've gone away and you know you need to get your, right, your life right before him, or maybe you have never given your life to God before and you say, hey, pastor, today's the day. I understand that Jesus died for me on the cross and I believe that he loves me and he cares for me and that he has a plan for me and that he can help me in every area of my life. I wanna know him, I wanna serve him. If that's you today and you wanna give your life over to Jesus, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Is that you in this place today? Come on, I see hands going up. I see a couple hands going up. Is there anybody else? Does anybody else wanna give your life to Jesus today? Come on, amen, amen. Will you just give it up for a couple people today that raise their hands? Come on, let's give it God praise today, amen. Father, right now, we thank you for people today that are turning their lives over to you. Not just their finances, not just certain areas of our lives, but completely giving our lives over to you. Father, I thank you for every person that's making that decision today. Would you help them by the power of your spirit to give their life to you and to trust you and to be thankful for everything that they have been given. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Amen. 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 Let's be grateful today. Go ahead and open up the, the top there and grab the little bread out of there. I'm going to read to you in Matthew 26. This is kind of symbolic of us having Thanksgiving together. This is, this is what we're doing together. We're sharing a meal. 
This is how the disciples shared meals together, right? They, they had wine and, and bread and we have styrofoam crackers and juice, but it's okay. <laughs> Your Thanksgiving will be a lot better than this, I promise. <laughs> While they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. The significance of the bread is that it's the, the body of Jesus that was bruised, that was hit, that was beaten, put on a cross for you and for me. Gashes in his back and thorns in his head. And you can imagine how difficult of a death it was for him. And yet he sacrificed his body so that we could live. What I want you to do is take a moment to yourself, pray a small prayer to the Father, to Jesus and say, thank you for what you've done for me. And then take the bread whenever you feel ready. If you'd go ahead and open up the cup. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. The blood of Jesus is what covers our sins. We've talked about in the past the sacrificial system, how they used to sacrifice animals and they had to be perfect and spotless. And, and Jesus said, you know, enough with that. I'm gonna put myself on the cross and it's by my blood that everybody will be saved. I'll take the penalty. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned, right? We're all sinners. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what we deserve is death. And yet Jesus, by his grace, put himself on the cross so that we could live. And this is symbolic of the blood of God, blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. Once again, take a moment, say a prayer of thanks to God and take the cup whenever you're ready. Can we just put our hands together and can we just shout for Jesus in this place today? Lift up a big shout. Come on, we can do better. God, you're worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. You're worthy, Jesus. We worship you today, God. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. 
for dying for us, but then for raising from the dead so that we could live and have life. We serve a risen Savior. Amen. We serve a risen, risen Savior in this place today. Man, I'm just so grateful for everything that God has done in our life as a church and in your life as a family. I pray that as you go through this Thanksgiving season, that you be reminded of all the goodness of God and be reminded of all the things that he's done for you and the things that he's going to do in the future. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week.